You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. Good morning, friends. I'm Pam Fields, your host of the Mom Next Door Stories of Faith. So it's interesting how our lives can be so different and yet so much the same. I was listening to an interview that my next guest gave, and I found myself giving a little amen at so many parts in her message, yet our stories are really different. Tess Scott, let's get to know you. I want to know a little bit about your story. Hey, Pam, thanks for having me on today. I'm so excited to be here. I love, love, love meeting other moms of big families. Yeah, it's a unique life. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) That's for sure. So I'm the mom of eight boys, but it's a blended family. So I like to keep things all the same, all boys. I know how boys work. I know where to wipe. I know all that stuff. So it's a little bit easier, maybe. And um, my husband had boys before we married. I had boys coming into the marriage. And then we had one more to make it an even eight. Right. Perfect. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it was all intentional. I love I love saying it that way. Right. Right. Yes. And and the hand-me-downs work better that way, yes. don't they? Yes. 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 And you know how to do it. And you don't have to worry about who's bunking with who. Then you don't have to deal with that gender mm-hmm. issue, just the personalities. Yeah. There's a lot of roughhousing with boys, I think. I mean, I don't, I can't speak of differences because I, I'm barely a girl. Like I don't know how to do hair or makeup, which is why God gave me all boys. I know it. Um, but boys are, my boys are more like resolve issues by wrestling on the kitchen floor sort of thing. And, but they never hold a grudge, you know? So I think that's a little bit better. And they don't, they don't really steal each other's clothes because they don't care about clothes. Right. I was going to ask you if there was a lot of sword fighting in your house. That's what happens here. Oh, sword fighting. No, but there was a lot of wrestling. Like we had a, when the boys were all like, most of them are grown up. I just want to say, praise the Lord. Most of my boys are grown up and I have one left at home who's 19. And so the days are coming, like he's on the edge of the nest and I'm kind of, you know, scaring him from behind, like, so that he will fall off and fly. Um, I want him to be good and healthy and um, grown up. So, you know, my oldest one's 37. It's been, it's been a hot minute here. So anyway, we had in our last house, a big open area in the kitchen and um, we ate in the dining room. And so this open area in the kitchen is where the boys wrestled, like literally like wrestled every night after dinner. Just, I think it was to see who the pecking order in the house. Um, There was a lot of wrestling that, that went on in that area. Yeah. No swords. No swords. Well, mine wrestled too. And it was so funny because I, I didn't grow up with that. Right. And so I, I would, and my husband, he's like, Oh, don't worry about it. They're just playing. And I'm like, I don't get it. Are you sure? And so then when I hear something, you know, getting knocked over or I can hear it in their voice and I have to open the door and say, are we good here? Or is this an actual fight? You know, what, what's going on? Are we okay? And then they're like, yep, just playing. Okay. Thank you. Just need to check in, make sure there was no anger because sometimes that aggression, um, I don't understand. I wasn't designed that way. True. I have all brothers. So I did have a little bit of a heads up. I'm the, I'm the oldest. And then I have three younger brothers, no sisters. So I did have a little bit of heads up on the physical part of boys for sure. Wow. You did. That was good. That was, you know, God had that planned. 
That's right. That's right. He's so good to me. That's true. Okay. So when I did a little digging about you, you have a book that just came out and we're going to get to that in a little bit, but Mm -hmm. even your website, you have this tagline and it says finding hope in the freak show of life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such an interesting title. I have always seen the freak show as something I've wanted to separate myself from. Like, I don't want to go there and I'm kind of guarded against it. Uh, but it also really speaks to me about, you know, there's idiosyncrasies, there's um, differences, and we all may look at others or like judge on what is normal, what's not normal. And the truth is, we're all a little different. God's created us different. Our family structure looks different. And, you know, it it, it could it could look like a freak show. That's totally true. So tell me how you came up with that name. Well, it's because of my husband, because he would come in the house after work and there would be like shoes everywhere. And we tried every strategy to get rid of the shoes at the door. You know, we built the little cubbies and we made all the plans and the rules and it never worked. We used to like sometimes tie their shoes together, like in knots and throw them outside so that when they came out next time, they would have to spend time sitting there untying their shoes. Didn't work. Didn't matter what we did. And so, and my husband would come in and say, this is a freak show, you know, just that, or like he would hear them and he is an only child. This poor man was an only child. So he, and his mother was an only child. Like he's from this tiny little itty bitty family. And, and he would hear the kids and he would open up the TV room, you know, the family room door. And they're like bouncing off the walls in there sometimes. And like, and he just lost his mind, you know, like he just couldn't understand it. He sat on a couch and watched TV and he said the furniture never moved when he was a kid. And so he would just, he just kept saying, this is a freak show. This is a freak show. Like this isn't normal. What's going on with all these children, you know? Uh, so that was kind of in our vernacular, I guess, or in our, in our um, description of our family. But I really want to say to women is all of our lives are imperfect. You know, yes. you, your life may not look exactly like mine or exactly like Pam's, you know, you may not have eight or 10 kids. Maybe you have one child, but your life is not perfect either. And also there's different phases of life. There's different times that we go through in life. Maybe you have young kids and your toilet training. That is a freak show. Or, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're, you have grandchildren or maybe, you know, you're alone now, empty nest in life doesn't look like you thought it would. And I think that maybe it was easier like all those years ago when I was a young mom and I was like seeing my friends in person, talking to them on my rotary dial phone, you know, it was a long time ago. And I could hear their kids in the background, like yelling and screaming, or I went to their house and there was dishes in the sink. And, you know, I saw that their life was not perfect, just like mine. But now I see, I think a lot, not all, but a lot of women are connecting with each other on social media. And I want to say this, sister, if you are looking on Instagram and you see that woman whose house is this big, beautiful house with the wreath on the door and the pumpkin on the porch, and you think like, wow, she has this perfect life. I want to tell you that if you came to her house unannounced and you walked into her living room, there's laundry on her couch, just like your house, because we all have imperfect lives and don't set yourself up for disaster, you know, like just know nobody's life is perfect. God's going to get us through it. 
you know, um, I may or may not have a pumpkin that was prematurely purchased and put outside our door and it is already rotting and imploding. And I just want to leave it there a little longer because I think it may still have a little value. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's encouraging for those of us who haven't put pumpkins out yet. Well, but I'm not going to take a picture of it and post it on Instagram, right? Like who wants to have a picture of my rotting pumpkin on the front porch? Well, yeah, I know. But I do think there is value, like aside from putting, you know, you don't have to post the picture of your rotting pumpkin, but I do think there is value, especially within, like, it's important to have close friends, close women, friends, women, friends, who we share these real life moments with. You know, and and maybe there's not as much of that as there used to be um, pre-lockdown, pre-all this, where we can actually gather in person and share our lives on a real and vulnerable level to say, like, if everybody walks around saying, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, we're all fine. And no, we're not. We're not all fine. We all have bad days. We all have days that we think, I can't get through this day, you know, like, our cake falls or I don't know, whatever it is. I had to feed my kids SpaghettiOs for lunch and then Cheerios for supper on the same day. You know, that makes me not feel that great about myself as a mom, but we all have these days. And if we, and if we start being real and vulnerable, you know, with our close friends, then a, they know how to pray for us. Right. And they're going to recognize when we're having a hard day and we're going to encourage each other that this is normal. We're all living in this freak show. Right. So I think that that is really, really important. Now, I'm not saying that when something hard is happening, you always put it on the prayer chain at church. You know, nobody needs to hear all of your uh, dirty laundry or whatever you want to call it, all the fun stuff. But your close friends do. And and um, I think we kind of got away from that maybe in the last few years um, or just in our society in general, where we're not in each other's lives as much as we need to be. So how do we move from that? Like, I guess here's what I'm thinking is um, I do have this mom's group on Facebook and several times I've seen the heartache of women who said, I don't have anybody in my life to speak truth to me. I don't have that friend who comes over and sees my dirty laundry on the couch. I you know, if, it, mm-hmm. if I have an emergency, there's no meal chain. I'm simply cooking ramen noodles three times a day. You know, how, how do we cultivate that better? Um, I don't know if you have any ideas on that. Yeah. Well, for sure. Like asking God to point people out to you in your community or in your, you know, they may, may already be in your life, but just not that close of friends. You know, people who will be there for you because that is so important. Sometimes church groups have small groups, you know, and to be connected to that kind of thing and to be willing to be that person for other people as well and connected with them. That might be the first step is maybe instead of being so well-polished ourselves and trying to play off as well-polished ourselves we take that first step of vulnerability and invite somebody over and know that we have, I I mean, in a way, like I have nothing to offer, but will you please just come over and Mm -hmm. hang out with me? Yeah. 
And and don't necessarily do the dishes that are in your sink before they get there. I mean, if you know, you can, but being real, you know. Did you ever hide your dishes in the oven? Because that was something I learned from older generations than me. If you're having company come over, you would not want them to see dirty dishes in the sink. So just put them in a big pan, hide them in the oven so that your sink is clean when your company comes over. Did you ever do that? Oh, wow. She's pulling all the punches. Um, So yeah, so this is a story that actually is in my book. Um, I did do that. I used to do that when my boys, when most of my boys were really young. And I had a mother-in-law at that time. I've been married a few times. So this was number two. And I had this mother-in-law who was lovely and wonderful. And like I saw as a perfect housekeeper, of course, her kids were all grown up and she, and she was very um, um, like organized and so I would, I would be totally embarrassed if she saw my house, not organized. So she, she was coming over a uh, last minute. So I threw everything that was yeah in the, in the oven, all the dishes and everything. And I, and I put like a couple of my boys in the bathtub, you know? And so she came in and um, she was helping me dry off Curtis, one of my boys. And she said to him, Oh, uh, we got you all dried off. He was probably three maybe four, three or four. And she said, we got you all dried off. Now, where does your mom keep your pajamas? And he said, in the dryer, (laughs) let me tell you, (laughs) not my best moment. I was like, (laughs) I heard it. And I thought, oh no. (laughs) I mean, it was true. He wasn't lying. That probably is where his pajamas were, but it was just, yeah, it was a really, uh, it was a really real moment for me. (laughs) And yeah. she didn't care. Of course she didn't care. It was just that, you know, I mean, she did laundry on Mondays, ironing on Tuesdays, like everything was very organized. So yeah. Yeah. That was one of those moments. Yeah. It was a different generation mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And, and I think that we're one generation teaches the next generation and, and then I think we've gotten a little worked up and it's time to step back and just live in community and be real. And that's what our heart longs for is that because we're busy moms, I think sometimes it requires us to go zero to deep in like 10 minutes or less, because Mm -hmm. if we are so walled off that we, and trying to put on this pristine show, we don't ever make it to mm-hmm. those things that matter and the depth of our soul. And that's, that's what we need. Yeah. I was talking with some girls on um, this week. We we met just to have dessert, like six girls just to sit around and talk and have dessert. And, and we were talking about um, being interruptible and what would life look like if we were more interruptible because we're all busy you know, like everybody, no matter what your family looks like. I mean, if you ask somebody, how's it going? Almost always they say I'm busy. So what does that really look like? Like I'm busy because um, even though I only have one kid, 19 at home, I have, I have nine grandchildren and they play sports and, you know, like, and you know, all these, all the things we're all busy, but what does being interruptible look like? Like it looks to me, it looks like, well, first of all, if you're in a, having a problem, if you need me, like you need a ride to the doctor, you need a ride to the hospital or, you know, whatever there's some, there's, I I'm walking away from everything in my life to, to help you for sure. For sure. But also making that time to connect one-on-one with, with the other person, with your friend, because that's important time. Like, but it may mean going together to do errands 
You know, it may mean giving her a ride to a doctor's appointment. It may mean um, sitting, watching her kid play football for an hour, even though it's not my kid playing football and I love her kid, but I want that time with her so that we can spend that time together or going for a walk at a different time of day. Like you sometimes have to be kind of inventive of what that means um, as you go through different stages of life. Mm. There's so many creative ways where we can support one another. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing we used to do was like a meal swap too. Like we'd get together and just say, Hey, we're going to make a bunch of freezer meals. You come over, I come over, or one of us goes to somebody's house and then all the kids go play. And we're just going to cook together. We're each going to, we're going to bring the ingredients. We're going to pop out like 10 meals for the freezer. And you know what? That's a real, real thing. Like you get to learn each other's cooking styles. And in the end, you have a big mess of dishes that is very real, (laughs) right? There's no hiding. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. We survived on that when, when the kids were young and we had a huge family at home, like doing the monthly cooking things. And it becomes fun when you could do it with a friend. I think everything, one of my friends says that I need a friend to read a book and that is a huge, huge exaggeration. I don't need a friend to read a book, but I do think it would be more fun if you were doing it with someone else. So anything you can do with someone else is more fun, even cooking. I don't, I'm not a lover of cooking. I'm a lover of eating. So, you know. Yeah. Another thing we did, I did uh, one day, my husband came home for lunch and I, I do not exaggerate. I think there were uh, eight minivans in the driveway and at least 45 kids in the trees outside. And uh, he walked in and said, what's happening? And I said, well, I decided that I'm going to swap this bedroom with this bedroom and change it up where whose rooms was whose. And I knew that I was going to need a little help. So we just got pizza and uh, here we are. (laughs) Nice. I love it. I love it. I wonder if we could jump back and peel back a little bit of your story because you said God called you to share your story, but for a long time you were saying no. Um, What does that mean? Well, (laughs) that means that it's really hard to share your story. It's hard to share. It's difficult to share the past, especially when you have a lot of maybe shame, regret. It's hard to share your screw ups, your, you know, the things that you wish you didn't do. Um, That's difficult. But I knew God was telling me and not that God, you know, speaks to me in this loud, booming voice. Thank goodness, because who could stand Um, and not that he sends me emails, although I have requested that because it would make life easier if I got an email and knew exactly what he said. But it became obvious because, you know, I would be reading something in my quiet time and it would be like about this. And then the pastor would speak about it on Sunday. And then on the way home from church, like on the Christian radio station, there's this song and it's like, Tess, obey God. And you're like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. But, but it's difficult. And I didn't really want to do it. So I kind of put it off, you know, like, okay, I'll do that. But then I wouldn't. Um, And I didn't know what that meant. So I initially started a blog and um, did some writing, although I'm not a writer, but I, but I learned how to do that, how to do a blog, how to, you know, how to write, learn all the steps, which is like you did, Pam, and um, in obedience. And I know that it's not me because I don't know what I'm doing. So I know this is zero tests, hundred percent God. And there's some freedom in that, you know, if when he sets things up, I walk through the door and do it. 
And when he doesn't, then I can relax and say, okay, well, it wasn't what I was supposed to do. So, I mean, especially in theory, that sounds really good. There's still disappointments, of course, because we're all human, but I didn't want to share because, well, we'll just, I'll just say it right out. So I've been married four times and I'm not even a celebrity. Okay. It's just not normal. I know that. And so I've lived in a place of shame and regret. I lived for years because there's a lot of shame in the church in divorce and the enemy kept me there for a long time. And I kind of circled around, you know, like I asked Jesus into my heart when I was a little girl and then, you know, grew up and other things happened and then came back and then other things happened and kind of like, you know, um, like, like our walk with God is lots of times, right? Lots of times we're close and then we wander away a little bit and then we're close. And that's sort of how it looked like the family circus way between Tess and God. But I'm thankful that God is always faithful when I'm not. And so that's how we kind of got where we are right now. But I didn't want to share that because of the, yeah, the embarrassment and the shame, but that's not what God is like. God is, God says that when we're saved and, uh, he says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's right in Romans. So I know that to be true. There's no shame in God. It's that vulnerability that we're afraid of, though, I think. Just like the laundry on the couch, um, mm-hmm. if they came over and they saw that there was, you know, this, that I haven't taken my garbages out or that there was this terrible mess here or there, they might make a judgment call on who I am and I'm just going to have to explain myself. And it's, mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's the voice of the enemy. Like you're saying, you know, like mm-hmm. condemning us for yeah. these circumstances. And when Christ died on the cross, he paid for those things. And We have new life in him and it's always being renewed and redeemed. And when we, when we stand on that and say, when we stand on our circumstances and stand on our past, sometimes it's like saying, God, I know you can do all those things for other people and I see what you've done in other ways. But for me, I don't believe it. I'm not, I, I, you know, help me out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. I think that that's one of the reasons that we don't share with other women with sometimes with vulnerability, because we're not sure how they will accept that, Mm. you know? And, and I say like, share that little piece. I think everybody has this little piece in them, this little nugget that they don't share with anybody because we're scared of being judged. We're scared that this friend will judge, will um, not like us anymore. You know, what if I said to my friend, I'm having trouble with wine. I I think I'm drinking too much. Or what if I said to her, "Um, I'm really questioning my faith. Or what if I said to her, there's a really cute guy at work and he's really nice and and he's really nice to me. He treats me nice. And I know I'm married, but we're just going to be good friends. Like if I say that to her, then maybe she's not going to like me anymore, right? But that is a trap from the enemy. I'm telling you right now, because when you share that little nugget with your friend, that little secret loses its power, number one. Mm. And that friend can pray with you and for you. And they can Mm. tell you truth. 
right? They can speak truth in your mind because that is like that, that is really important that our friends speak truth to us and remind us of what we need to hear. Because in the moment of it, in the moment of temptation, or, you know, we're being lied to, um, it's difficult to remember what's true. And we need our friends for that. But we have to share that. Otherwise, they don't know what we're what we're thinking or what we're going through or what's in our mind. So it's really important to have a friend. And again, I'm not saying put it on the prayer chain at your church. Don't do that. Not with those things, you know, nobody, not everybody needs to hear those things, just your closest friends. Yeah. And that, that's like having us, I think we use this term too much as a safe place. Um, mm -hmm. And so sometimes we hear that term finding a safe place and we start to roll our eyes, but mm -hmm. there are times we need a safe place to share. And right. I think woman to woman is part of why God put us on this earth to live in relationship. He did not expect us to do this on our own. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a gift. It's a, it's a gift that we can step into those relationships. And you mm -hmm. know what, if I can be that for you and then you can be that for me, what, how much lighter the load is mm -hmm. for each of us to carry. Right. Yeah. That, that is so true. And Again, it's important to um, get those relationships in place so that you have that safe place before something happens. You know, you can't just call up someone when you're in the middle of this kind of deep like problem. You know, when there's when there's this thing that you need to share, like I'm really in trouble because of some temptation that has really got a hold of me. You need to have that safe friend, like you said, where you can share that and also be that safe friend that can listen and hear um, hard things from someone else. You know, it's not all take, it's take and give, but it's, but it's really important. And I don't, and I don't know that it's all that common to be able to have that kind of friendships, but it is really, really important. We need our friends to speak truth to us. I cannot remember the exact question I asked you earlier. Uh, but it was something to the effect of how do we move from, you know, into these relationships and the steps we can take. And I think we kind of roundabout answered that in that the being vulnerable, um, welcoming others into our lives mm -hmm. in a very real way is what sets that foundation so that when the hard things of life come up, we are already in a position to sharpen one another. Um, I feel like we battle a lot with discouragement, um, a lot of depression, feeling defeated um, and feeling disqualified for what's in front of us. Mm -hmm. And when we start listening to those lies, we tend to ball up. I think we, we start to not want to enter into those relationships. So I think Tess, you would agree that we need to kind of blow that out of the water now and just say that as women, we all tend to go there. Absolutely. So it's not a secret. We all go through those phases where we're feeling those things. Um, so let's just be real about it. Yeah, Absolutely. I sometimes speak to women about um, finding hope in the freak show of life. So it's kind of my, you know, the whole freak show thing. And one of the most important things is to remember 
what God has done in the past. You know, like if you feel really hopeless, remember, remembering what God has done. And one of the ways to do that is to journal. So I, I always encourage women and they always roll their eyes at me, but I always encourage women to journal, to write down what God's doing and to look back on it. Like, what am I praying about today? What is God doing today? So I have a five-year journal and which my husband bought me because I asked him to. So today when I was writing in my journal, it said one year ago, this is what I was praying about. I thought my husband was going to lose his job. Um, We were having problems with one of my sons, you know, all these things. So today when I wrote my journal, I read what I wrote last year and I was like, Oh my goodness, Lord, thank you. You got us through all of these things. And it's just this reminder that cements in your head that God is faithful. Like he always was faithful. He always will be faithful. He got us through and he'll do it again. Yes. Okay. Let's take that a little further and give a couple other ideas because Mm -hmm. I, I agree. Journaling is great. I am terrible about this. I start journals and then I lose them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so I, I'm like, okay, what, what are other methods we could use to do that? Um, I think scripture tells a story and they talk about it being called an Ebenezer where we, we set up stones of remembrance and we use those stones to not only remind ourselves, but we're showing the generations to come, our children, grandchildren, whoever, what God has done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm thinking for all the different learning styles or processing styles or those who uh, set things aside and lose them like I do. Um, there's several different ways we could do that. And that'd be a great thing to explore. Like even looking at photo albums, you know, back in the day when I made photo albums, I have not done that for a long time, but um, it's great to go grab out those old photo albums. Mm -hmm. And I remember where I was, um, you know, when we're having all those sleepless nights and we're juggling things like crazy, I might not remember it super, um, succinctly, but if I took a photo and popped in a photo album Mm -hmm. in a time when I have a little more time to absorb, I can go back there mentally. I think it's funny, the Facebook timelines, I need to start going back and saving some of those because I started my own personal Facebook thing about 13 years ago. And when my let's see, seventh baby was born. And Mm -hmm. I would just post things and never write them down in the journal. Now at this point, I need to start going back to those time hops or whatever they call them and transferring them because I have a little more time in my life now, transferring them to a journal to remember those beautiful nuggets. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other ideas of things we can do? I love that picture idea because it seems like at the moment when it's happening, you don't need all that much time, you can just take the picture, and then eventually take it off your phone. um, Because there's another little bit of time that you need, so that we can remember because there's no photo albums anymore, you're right. Um, And sharing that with with your kids and grandkids too, right, the importance of sharing that. I think that's a good idea. And I always say like, when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan river and then, and God wanted them to build that big monument with the stones, like you said, to remember. Um, But my husband won't let me build a big monument with stones in our backyard because we live in the city now. 
Um, but that would be cool. That would be cool if you could build something that you would see in your garden or in your yard that you would, you know, remember that. I got it. I got it. Okay. Okay. Does everybody have mason jars just sitting around? Right. 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 So we could just get out a little strip of paper. And when you have an experience, see something God has done in your life or have your children do this with you, just get a strip of paper, write it down and pop it in the mason jar. And then, oh, oh, here we go. If you're, I don't know if you're a canner or, you know, people say, well, I'm not a canner. I don't know how to can fruits and vegetables. What if we canned our memories and uh, every little mason jar, we've got like one for 2022 and one for 2023. And uh, we could just start saving our memories of what God has done and also save some of the remembrances of the low points because um, someday you're going to pull that little piece of paper out of the jar a year or five years from now. And you're going to open that and say, Oh yeah, that was a hard one. That was a hard one. And I didn't understand it at the time. It didn't make sense. I was discouraged and I was frustrated, but here I am on the other side Mm -hmm. and it makes a lot more sense now. And then we can praise God for what he has done. I love that. That is way easier than canning peaches. Yeah. Yeah. I would a little less sticky. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea. That's a great idea, actually. Okay. So if you do that, ladies, I want you to send me a picture yeah. <laughs> and uh, we maybe we should start a hashtag or something. But yeah. uh, let's think about that. I think that'd be a good one to do. I love it when God lets us see what he's doing or what he's done. I mean, there's some times that we won't understand why things happened until we're face to face with Jesus. And that's just the way it is. But sometimes, sometimes God allows us to much later stop, play back that reel kind of in our minds and watch how he expertly pieced together the parts of our life. So one of those times for me, Um, I'll just give you a little brief story that after uh, Rick and I got married, like we were married, he was my third husband. Um, So we got married, we were married 10 years, he came to me and said, I don't love you anymore, I'm leaving. And I was devastated, of course, you know, I spent I was like, I'm living for God, I'm doing Bible study, I'm doing all the things I love Jesus more than anything in the world, please don't let my husband leave. You know, I didn't want the shame, all those things. But yet God allowed it and he left and we were divorced after a year. We were divorced for three years. God reconciled our relationship. Like I'm making this like a really short story and it's the biggest miracle in my life. And we got remarried and our family is back, you know, reunited together. And and it's the most amazing thing. Three weeks after our wedding in 2016, I was diagnosed with cancer three weeks after our marriage. And I thought, are you kidding? Like this is what I'm I'm having this conversation with God. Are you kidding me? What? I have a husband again. I'm going to have this amazing um, newlywed marriage for a year, if you know what I mean. And like, this is the best time of my life. And now I have breast cancer. And now I have a mastectomy. And now I have chemo and no hair. Like, I was not happy about it. I can tell you that. But this is what I learned. I thought this is the worst timing in my life. And this is what I learned, Pam. 
after some time, I realized that it was actually the best timing because this timing allowed my husband to show that he loved me, that he was in. Our kids saw dad's in. You know, I remember on a particularly bad day coming to him and, you know, I'm bawling and and said, like, you didn't know when you came back that I was going to have a mastectomy and I was going to have no hair. And our first whole year was trips to the hospital back and forth and uh, chemo, radiation, all that. And you didn't know this was going to happen. And this is what he said. My husband said to me, this is what I knew. I knew when we got married that we are together for life. And I knew that one of us is probably someday going to have to care for the other one. And that is what I'm here for. Mm. And that was a gift to me. Mm -hmm. And as far as timing, if, if it was different timing, you know, and if I can imagine that he heard I had cancer and he said, Hey, I heard you have cancer and I really want to get back together. I would have been like, ah, no, how about no? You know, I wouldn't have trusted him. Right. But instead, God gave us that gift of the timing for him to be able to care for me. I had no choice but to be vulnerable because I couldn't care for myself at times to, you know, wash my hair and take care of my wound and bring me tea on the couch and all the things, you know, it was just actually the best timing. And so now I can be thankful for that. And thankful that God allowed me to see the reason for that timing. And really, it's it's a gift. God is so, so good all the time. Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah. Looking back, you know, mm-hmm. he's faith. He is. He's faithful all the time. Let's not forget it. Always, always. I'm so mm. thankful. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I said I was going to ask you about your book. So tell me this book that you just wrote, its title is? Listen, sister, finding hope in the freak show of life. So it's a book. It's all short stories. They're all about two minutes long. So you can read them while you're in the bathroom and your kids are like banging on the door or while you're in the van waiting in the pickup line or whenever you only have two minutes, you can read one story. They're not in any particular order. So you can skip to the middle, skip to the end. You know, it doesn't matter if you lose your place. Every story is embarrassingly true about raising eight kids, about um, cancer, about whatever. Most are hilarious. You know, it'll make you feel good because your kid is not the only one who peed in the Lego or whatever it is, all the real life things. And then at the end of the story is what God taught me through that time, what I learned and um, a verse, scripture verse. And it's just to encourage women that they're not alone, you know, and, and that God's in this with us. And that's my heart is I just want to encourage women. So this is what God's asked me to do. And I've stepped out in faith because, you know, I've never been a writer or an author and here I am with the book. So it must be him. And it's fun. It's been really, really fun. And now I can go around and and speak to women at different events and encourage them. And if my clothes are inside out or I fall off the stage, they think it's just all part of the whole freak show of life. So it's pretty easy. Have you ever been at one of these conferences and somebody comes up and talks to you about some situation in your life and you're like, how did they know that about me? And then you realize you wrote it down to be remembered forever. I'm sure that will happen. Somebody asked me once how my boys feel about all these embarrassing stories coming out of my book. And I said, they're boys. 
they're likely never going to read it. And yep. that's what I'm banking on. Their their wives read it now, but um, the boys, not, not all of them have read it. So too bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. I will take that as an encouragement because you know what? I might write a book someday. And when I do, I doubt my sons will read it. So I'll just, I'll just remember that. I'll take that a little advice. Um, I think that getting your book is kind of like inviting a friend over to have Mm -hmm. coffee with, because even though you may not see my mess here, I've been invited to yours and it, it allows me to recognize that I'm not alone and we need that. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and, and sharing your life, sharing your story and all of the, the craziness that came with it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so amazing how God takes those, those years of our life that Mm -hmm. uh, seemed so difficult to manage at the time and he can use those to encourage somebody else, yes. you know, glory to God for that. It's, exactly. he doesn't waste things. No, exactly. So thankful. Well, Tess, I would be so honored if you would lead us in prayer to close out. Absolutely. Heavenly father. Thank you. I just thank you so much that you, you know, the King of the universe would use people like me and Pam and other human imperfect people to further your kingdom. I thank you that you know everything about us and yet you love us. It freaks me out. I thank you for your incredible mercy and grace on our lives. Lord, I pray that women who are hearing our voice today will be encouraged that if they don't know you, that they will begin a relationship with you today. And if they do know you already, that they will be encouraged in their walk, that they will find other sisters that they can have friendships with and be vulnerable and real with and encourage each other. Lord, I pray that you will fill their heads with truth. And I thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you want to find Tess online, I have failed to ask her what her website is. So Tess, (laughs) that's easy. Before I let you skip away, why don't you share where ladies can connect with you online? Yeah, my website is tessscott.com. So that's easy, right? Tessscott.com. And the book is everywhere. Books are sold like, you know, Amazon, um, Indigo chapters. I saw it at walmart.com. That freaked me out. So all the places. Yeah, christianbook.com. Yay, that's so exciting. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Check it out. Are you on the socials like Instagram and Facebook? And where can we find you there? Yeah, there's links from my website. And also it's at... um, Tess Scott or Listen Sister, Encouragement for Women. Okay. On Facebook and on Instagram. Okay. And mamas, if you are busy doing laundry or driving in your car, just go look in the show notes when you get parked somewhere. And uh, I'm going to have direct links to those places for you in the show notes. Thanks for being with us today. And uh, we just pray that you would have an amazing week cultivating relationships with your children, your husband, and the women around you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. 
And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true. Whatever is noble, be all these things. Be-